Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Come Follow Me podcast of the Book of Mormon. This is going to be lesson number 28, covering Alma chapters 32 to 35, and it will be for the time period of July 13th through the 19th. This particular section covers a lot of ground. There's a lot of information in here, a lot of doctrine that's being taught. Uh, this happens to be roughly around the middle of the Book of Mormon. So as we talk about faith and and uh, principles of the gospel here, there's a lot there's a lot to cover in this uh, particular section here. So uh, let's get into this one now. If you want the details, I'm not going to cover every verse in here, obviously, because there's too much. Uh, but the details of each chapter is in a separate podcast. So if you want to look at those, um, those are also available. All right, so the Zoramites, um, Alma and his and his missionary people here are among the Zoramites, and and uh, they've been teaching, and there's a group of people now that come to them that have been cast out of the synagogues and uh, wonder how they can worship because they don't think they can worship outside of the synagogue. And so Alma uh, does some teaching to them. Um, in verse 13, he mentions it's good that they've been compelled to be humble, but... Um, because sometimes it's necessary, but we're hoping not to necessarily be humbled, um, but that we can do it on our own. Um, and so we need to be be humble all the time so that we can be teachable by the Lord and and uh, and do what we need to. In, in verse uh, 17, he talks about those that are shown signs uh, that they... Um, that they won't believe unless they're showing a sign. So Alma must be remembering the words that he just had with Corihor and the previous chapter. And so he's showing them that that's not faith. Verse 18 now, he's talking about what faith is. And uh, But he's saying in verse 19 that if you, uh, more cursed is he that knoweth the will of God and doeth it not than he that only believeth or only, or only hath cause to believe. And so then if we get to verse uh, 21, now, as I said, concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if you have faith, you hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And so this is a basic definition of true of, of faith. Um, he mentions in verse uh, 22, I would that you should remember that God is merciful unto all who believe on his name. Therefore, he desireth in the first place that they should believe. Uh, and so we, we begin with belief and then that that comes into faith. Uh, so but if you don't have faith then belief is good. Belief is enough. Belief in Christ is far better than, than not. Uh, verse 27, he says to awake and arouse your faculties, even to an experiment. And so now he's going to talk about the seed, uh, the seed of the word. He mentions in 28, we will compare this the word unto a seed. Now, if you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if you do not cast it out by your unbelief, that you will resist the Spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to... And I want you to notice there's four words here that are mentioned uh, regarding the seed. And I want you to think about this and notice this uh, this um, coincidence. I'm going to call it a coincidence. It's probably not, but I'm just saying. Okay, look at it. It says here, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts, and when you feel these swelling motions, 
you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that this, the word is good for it beginneth to enlarge. So, so far we've, it swells, it enlarges my soul. It beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. Do you notice the words that were used here? Swell, enlarge, enlighten, delicious. If you take all those words in the first letter of each word, what does it spell? Seed. Oh, what a coincidence. Isn't that cool? Uh, okay, maybe it's not so cool. Um, verse 29, behold, would not this increase your faith? I say, yea, it does increase your faith. Um and that as we exercise more faith, and, and it says in verse 30, as these things begin to grow, as our faith begins to grow, that this strengthens your faith, and you see that it's a good seed. Uh, verse 34, now behold, is your knowledge perfect? As you, as you gain uh, more knowledge and understanding of this particular part of faith that you're trying to get, uh, verse 33 says, you must needs know that the seed is good. Verse 34, now behold, is your, faith, is your knowledge perfect? Yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing, and your faith is dormant, and this because you know, for you know that the word hath swelled your, your souls, and you also know that it hath sprouted up, that your understanding doth begin to be enlightened, and your mind doth begin to expand. So now the question might be might come up, is knowledge a substitute for faith? In other words, because God knows all things, does that mean he does not have faith? So let's let's think about that concept for a minute. But verse thirty eight or thirty five says, um, then is not this real? I say unto you, yea, because it is light, and whatsoever is light is good, because it is discernible. Therefore ye must know that it is good. <clears throat> and now behold, after ye have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? And then he says, but I hope, behold, I say unto you, nay, neither must ye lay, as, lay aside your faith, uh, but that ye nourish it with care. Verse 38, but if ye neglect the tree and take no thought for its nourishment, in other words, we, we don't um, add to our faith. We don't increase our faith. We don't do things to nourish that faith. Behold, it will not get any root. And when the heat of the sun cometh and scorcheth it, because it hath no root, it withers away and he pluck it up and cast it out. Now this is not because the seed was not good, neither is it because the fruit thereof would not be desirable, but it is because your ground is barren and ye would not nourish the tree. Therefore, um, you cannot have the fruit thereof. And thus, if ye will not nourish the word, looking forward with an eye of faith to the fruit thereof, ye can never pluck of the fruit of the tree of life. So here he's saying that we need to have faith in the in the process here of, of growing our faith, to be patient in the process, that uh, as we develop faith in one particular area, and that that faith can grow, it continues to grow, um, and that we don't uh, give up on it. We just have faith that it, as it continues, because as we see it growing, as we see that our faith is growing, then we'll, we'll have confidence that this is a good thing and we will continue. Uh, as we go down to verse 42, because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word in nourishing it, that it may take root in you, behold, by and by you shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious, which is sweet above all that is, is sweet. This sounds like the tree of life that Lehi saw in his vision. And so this is the words that Alma is giving to these uh, individuals here. Uh, then in verse 30, in chapter 33, then he continues to talk. Um, but he's also mentioning here uh, to these people, do you believe the scriptures? And then he quotes from Zenos uh, about how they bore testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's really what he's talking about here is that this faith is faith in Christ. And he mentions here also that all the prophets have borne testimony of Christ. He mentions uh, Zenos and Zenic and Moses uh, and that all the prophets uh, did so.
chapter 34 then, uh, Alma has finished his discussion and now Amulek is going to get up and talk. And he's going to be a second witness to the things that Alma has talked about. Uh, but then notice in verse 3 where he says, unto faith and to patience. He's at, uh, telling them that not just not to give up on their faith, but to be patient in it. Uh, and then he says, uh, uh, verse 5, we have beheld that the great question which is in your minds is whether the word be in the Son of God or whether there shall be no Christ. It's similar to the question that Jesus asked his disciples in the old world, what think ye of Christ? And that's a question that will not go away. As Elder Maxwell said, this is the vital question for all, all mortals, including you, and a failure to answer this question is an answer. And so we need to be considering, you know, what do we think of Christ? Is he really the Messiah? Is he the Savior? And do we rely upon his atoning sacrifice? Do we have faith in him? Uh, and then in verse 8, he talks about here he's testifying of these things, that they're true. And so he bears witness like Alma did, bears witness that these things are true. He talks about Jesus being the last great sacrifice um, and that this has to be, uh, it's not just a sacrifice of a human, but it's, a, it's an eternal and an infinite sacrifice. And that's the significance of Jesus' sacrifice, is that it's an infinite and eternal sacrifice. This goes on into the eternities. It's not just a sacrifice um, to this earth, but it's a sacrifice that pertains to all the earths that God has created. And that uh, that sacrifice uh, continues, that all the earths that Jesus has created and all the earths that God has created, um, that they're all covered under the atonement of Christ. And so this has to be an infinite and eternal. Verse 10, he says, it's expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, not a sacrifice of man, neither a beast, neither of any manner of fowl, for it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it must needs be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And then Elder McConkie goes on to talk about how this affects all the other earths that God created. And it's not just for us and for this earth, it's for all of them out into the universe, however far God's uh, kingdoms expand. And so that's the significance of this particular chapter. Um, so uh, this this has got lots of good stuff in here. I hope that you're reading all the details of this because it's uh, it's very significant. He mentions in here that uh, because of the sacrifice of Christ, that animal sacrifices will stop, that the law of Moses will be fulfilled. And the Nephites understood that a whole lot better than the people in the old world did. They understood that it was just a, um, uh, 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 what's it called? Not a taskmaster. What is it called? It's a schoolmaster uh, for those that uh, were living at that time. Uh, but then he mentions in verse 32, Behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. So this earth, uh, this probationary time that we have is important for us to be, be repenting. He says, behold, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. And now, as I said unto you before, as ye have had so many witnesses, therefore I beseech of you that you do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life, which is given to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness wherein there can be no labor performed. And so our obligation while we're here in mortality is to do everything we possibly can to repent and to not procrastinate that repentance into the next life because we don't know how much of an opportunity we will have to repent. We know that in section 76 where it talks about those that were not valiant in the testimony of Christ, uh, that those that once knew the gospel but fell away, that they will not have a second chance to uh, to exaltation and eternal life in the celestial kingdom, uh, but that their lot will be in the terrestrial kingdom. So we don't want that to happen. We want to be repenting here. It's it's a hundred times easier, ten times easier, 
to repent in mortality while we're here than it will be in the next life because we have a body which, in which to do it now. So we need to make sure that we're doing it while we're here. Um, and so I would hope that as we uh, contemplate these principles here, faith and, and repentance, in these several chapters here in Alma, uh, as he mentions in 38, don't contend, he says, contend no more against the Holy Ghost. The Spirit is telling us the things that we need to do to, to repent and to be um, be worthy of the celestial kingdom, and that we shouldn't fight against that. We should comply with what the Spirit's trying to teach us, and do those things that are necessary. Now, in verse uh, or in chapter 35 of Alma, uh, the people of Zarahemla, or I'm sorry, the people of the Zoramites, um, find out about these people that have been converted by Alma and his his brethren, and they actually uh, eject them. They kick them out. They um, ban them from their city, and so they end up going among the Nephites. They're, they're, they go with the people of Ammon in the, into the area of Jershon, and there they live. And this causes the Zoramites uh, some anger, and so they're going to combine with the Lamanites uh, to come fight against these people. And so um, I hope that we can understand the principles of faith. As I mentioned, um, faith is an eternal principle, um, and God exercises faith in uh, in his realm as well. Um, the planets are upheld by his faith and by um, his ability to do so and to have not just a creative process and priesthood, but also his faith upholds all the planets and all the things that he's created. So uh, just because he has all knowledge doesn't mean he doesn't exercise faith still. Faith is a principle of power, uh, not, just, uh, not just exercising faith in Christ, but it's exercising power in the sense that it creates and does all these things. So um, I bear testimony of the truth of these things and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.